0: the best possible way to have time to focus on these issues is to save time on on the other problems that you face by by automating a lot of things so that's what finance hacking is about oh yeah how does that fit in to a cohesive larger vision
1: We will always have enough cash around, strictly business, business, just business. Hi, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to speak with talented CFOs doing fascinating things in well-known companies. In this episode, I spoke with Eunice Rabawi, CFO at European startup investor and incubator The Family. Despite training in finance, Eunice spent much of his earlier career in entrepreneurial roles within the family and elsewhere. But in February, 2020, the family decided it needed a CFO and offered Eunice the chance to try it out. We talked about the steep learning curve, how he applied his product management knowledge to the role and the sudden changes required thanks to COVID. This podcast was actually recorded as a live CFO Connect AMA so you'll hear a mix of the usual conversation between myself and Eunice with questions from the audience. Hopefully, it's another classic episode. As always, the show is brought to you by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.eu and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.eu with any questions or feedback. Where I would like to begin is, uh, I hope, not a, a tricky question. Um, why did the family need a CFO?
0: Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a great one. But first of all, uh, thank you, Patrick, for having me. Thank you uh, to everyone at CFO Connect. And thanks, everyone, for, for joining us. I see we have a global crowd. So uh, hope, I'm sure this discussion will be very, very interesting. Um, why did the family need a CFO? That's an interesting question because um, for those of you that do not know uh, what The Family is and what we do, um, if you check on our website, thefamily.co, our logo is a phoenix. So it has had multiple lives uh, throughout the years. The Family was founded in 2013, but I guess where where we stand now, the latest iteration is a global kind of accelerator uh, that aims to be the first yes in the the life journey of of many startups. And we try and take the the entrepreneurs from the earliest possible stage, meaning usually just a bunch of founders and and a cool product, uh, to uh, them raising their first round of institutional money uh, from from venture capitalists. So uh, come back to your question. Uh, We do have people in the team who Know how to raise funds, who know a lot about financials, and, and we're an investment company. So we have a, a bunch of financiers within the team. Um, but the interesting thing is that uh, we, in France, we have this saying, uh, which is, Les cordonniers sont les plus chaussés. I don't know if you have a spot translation for, for this one. Uh, it, usually, uh, what you do in your work uh you will um you will be less good at yourself. And and um the infrastructure finance in, in, in finance infrastructure, yeah, shoemakers go usually barefoot. That's that's a good translation. Um the finance infrastructure at the family was subpar, which was kind of weird because we're a financial institution and at some point we needed to start developing a lot of specific bricks. Uh, that required the attention of a CFO, just like it, it's the case in many, many startups, when you start raising institutional money and you have investors come in, then that's usually the moment when you would start needing to structure a finance team and maybe have a have a CFO join. Uh, that's the moment uh, when it becomes important. And and it was about this uh, time in the life cycle of the family. Uh, that a CFO was needed, and and uh, having been with the organization for many many years, uh, actually uh, since 2015, which is quite a long part of of the family's journey itself. Um, I was offered the opportunity, and I thought it was really exciting, so that's that's why I took it.
1: What what were you doing before at the company?
0: So I, I, I did multiple things. Uh, the first thing that I that I did was deal flow. Uh, so I was basically screening uh, startup companies, meeting with a lot of entrepreneurs. I, I was based in London at, at the time, um, meeting with entrepreneurs and just basically getting familiar with the issues that you can face uh, just being an early stage entrepreneur. Uh, some I did know about uh, some had really no idea that they actually came up. Uh, and and as you went through doing the deal flow, you start creating relationship with, with the founders because that's what we do. I mean, the, the name, the family isn't just uh, out of the blue it's because we try and, and, and give a sense of community uh, to the founders and we try, try and give what an actual family provides, which is um, support no matter what, um education uh access to financing uh, these kind of things that, that you will find in, in your actual family well you can expect from us as, as a founder. and so as my relations with with some investee companies uh, grew, uh, I started uh, discovering what what the the various various issues were uh, for for um companies, Startup companies like hiring, fundraising, um, uh, developing the strategy, sales, uh, product development, uh, all of these kinds of things. Uh, and and at some point, I decided that my expertise would be around building finance operations uh, because that's too often overlooked. Uh, and and I started helping the founders around this uh, specific issue.
1: And then that sort of led naturally to you becoming the CFO of the family itself? Kind of naturally, yeah, because in between, uh, <laughs> I went
0: uh, into one of our our startup companies uh, that's doing education. And so uh, we were a novel kind of training organization where um, we wanted to train startup employees uh, because there's a lot of content out there that's dedicated to the founders themselves which is important because entrepreneurs have a lot of things to learn especially when it's the first time that they are building their their companies Uh, but very often there's a missing link and the missing link uh is the that nothing is targeted towards the employees themselves and so we wanted to build a training organization for that um uh, that's something kind of similar to what OnDeck is doing these days. And, and they're really great, great ads. Um, and, and so, uh, I, I, I stayed there for about a year because I had never had an entrepreneurial experience myself and, and, and I felt it was important for me to do that before I actually, um, had the opportunity to, to become a CFO. So that's, how things kind of looked and structured. If you look at my resume, it's kind of weird. There's there's like a year and a half of joining a, an education slash training organization. But I really enjoyed doing that because I also enjoyed, uh, enjoyed making content and sharing whatever I learned.
1: And so sort of concretely, what were the expectations of you when you took the role? Um, I guess I could answer uh,
0: under two aspects, um, no expectations at all, <laughs> because uh, the, the co-founders of, of the family ha- are kind of weird in that sense, is that they 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 are really great at sensing, let's say, weak signals, and, and they pick up on things that other people usually do not pick up on, which is a reason why uh, the family has so many Counterintuitive uh, startups in its portfolio is because uh, we like to see in some people what the rest of the world doesn't see or what the rest of the world do, do not see yet, um, and they just create you know the spark that um, may uh, have it be- become something. Uh, so they sense that I might be great in this role, and they just said, okay. Uh, just go ahead, try it out and, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, so very low expectations. And then again, uh, from my own perspective, um, I, I kind of had like a really uh, scattered slash cluttered roadmap because for all the past work that had been done within the family in terms of cash management, accounting, uh, structuration, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, um, there was no coherent, cohesive, Process, um, not a lot of processes uh, in place actually, uh, because different team members, different times, uh, okay. everything a bit scrappy. Um, that that's how it used to be. So my main perspective was that okay, how do I structure this thing so that it becomes uh, the the financial powerhouse that we want it to be, uh, because. On the front end of the families is uh, us helping the entrepreneurs and being with the entrepreneurs. On the back end, we're an investment company, and in order to grow, we need to have uh, good people, good processes, and good tools to, to help us do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And what were you confident about um, stepping into the role? Like, what did you know or, or feel strongly that you would be great at right away? Uh, yeah.
0: Um, so I, I, my initial background uh, is in finance. Um, so I have a couple of master's degree in business uh, with specializations in finance, uh, but mostly in market finance or investment banking. Mm. Um, and I've held uh, very short-time positions in, in private uh, equity. So um, I know this world, kind and I know that this gives you strength Uh, stepping into the role on things like valuation, understanding financing, uh, understanding what the investing world is about. Uh, So I knew that those were the things that I would be great at. And there were things that I just kind of remembered from either uh, being a business student or from uh, having an entrepreneurial experience like, okay, accounting is a pain, but I still have to take care of that or, or payroll for instance. And then there were things that I had no clue uh, would, would come up. Um, I guess number one on that list uh, is coronavirus. <laughs> like uh, facing a crisis uh, is a serious headwind that you cannot uh, expect. We should uh, say
1: just to stop you there quickly. We should say yeah. you you started the role in February twenty twenty.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So right in the right into the you know the headwind straight away. You were thrown Straight in away. at the deep end. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah correct. But also uh, around that, like uh, specifically, if I if I take the, the case of coronavirus because it dictates kind of everything else that has happened since then, um, you do not expect to have to become an expert in labor law in each of the countries where where you're you're based uh, overnight. But still, that's something that you have to do because. Uh, Germany has taken some measures, Uh, the UK has taken some measures, France has taken some measures, and we're a pan-European company at the moment, so we have uh, entities pretty much everywhere, and so you have to reconsider, for instance, your your headcount and payroll um, by taking these into account, so you have to uh, integrate that kind of uh, knowledge really fast, and I I didn't know that this was something that, that would be expected of me, but... I'm glad because it just, like, um, uh, opens up your, broadens your horizons, uh, all while making you uh, a more efficient effort.
2: Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk.
1: I want to turn now to um, the, the first time I really sort of became aware of you uh, and started following you was when you started writing Chasing Paper, which is your blog. Uh, if anybody hasn't read it, I highly, highly recommend it because it was it's a really nice way of looking at the CFO role, kind of as exactly as you were a first time CFO with a lot of experience in business and entrepreneurship and then applying that to the C- to, to being CFO as opposed to, I don't know, I don't know what the other way around would be, but it felt very new and original to me. And you had a concept in one of the early pieces, uh, which you called finance hacking. Yeah. I wonder if you could uh, describe that to everybody.
0: Sure. So um, to elaborate a little bit on, on finance hacking, um, I, I, I think, oh, I was... Puzzled when I started uh, the, this job and this, this new position, that there weren't that many tools um, that were available to to CFOs uh, to kind of like quickly um, review an information that that they needed. And so, uh, like, if you see what's expected of a CFO today, is you have to be very strategic, uh, but you also have to master data. You have to um take care of many, many things within the organizations. Um, and the tools that you you that are at your disposal to do that aren't that many. Of course, there are great off-the-shelf solutions tackling one aspect or another. Spend desk is, is a really great example on, on spending. Uh Carta, for instance, on on cap table management. Um, But the way these tools integrate with each other is either way too heavy for fledgling businesses. For instance, um, you won't be using an ERP if you're just a team of five people. That just uh, doesn't make sense. But at the same time, if you start having this habit of using spreadsheets uh, for everything, then at some point you you might be um, facing a serious backlog uh, and, and technical debt within your finance operations. So I believe that there's a third way and this third way was inspired to me by something that exists in marketing, which is growth hacking. Uh, And growth hacking to marketers, it it isn't a a bag of magic tricks and and recipes, it's just about building a growth system for for the organization that works for this specific organization. So think about your funnel how about, about how you acquire customers how you convert customers into uh, fans uh, and and how you um, uh, mechanically make revenue uh, from each of the of the customers in your in your funnel um, that's how I think an efficient system is built and I think um, many things could be applied to to a position in finance which basically is, is what I started doing I figured okay I need to do this uh, and having had a product background, uh, being in an entrepreneurial uh, onset, um, I, I just started using the tools that I was using before, just applied them to finance. So, oh, I need to do this automation. Well, I can do it myself with Zapier um, and actually it saved me an hour per day. So I just kept going and going. Um, until um, I reached a point where there's not much leeway for automation, but I've saved some times. Uh, And what I've, I, I came to realize was that um, the job of the CFO is very cyclical. Uh, there are things that you have to do every month, uh, every quarter, every year, uh, and basically everything that uh, falls into this cycle, I believe, uh, will be menial, uh, whereas uh, the real value-add tasks will be the tasks that are one of You have to work on a merger, you, you're working with corporate development because you want to acquire a new target, you have to raise your next financing round. Um, you have this um, mission that your, your um, uh, s- sales are dropping and you need to help your chief revenue officer increase uh, the revenue things like that um, and, and the best possible way to have time to focus on these issues is to save time on, on the other kind of, of uh, problems that you face and that's for me by, by automating a lot of things. So that's what finance hacking is about.
1: Mm. You can read, we've we've put a couple of links to Chasing Paper in the chat, and you can read specifically about how you (laughs) use, no worries, you can read about how you use Notion specifically, which I thought was pretty interesting, and Airtable. We have a question here from Luca, which I think is a good one kind of related to what we're talking about, but more about skills rather than tools. So how did you scale up your hard tools in finance in a short time frame? And were any of them particularly difficult to learn?
0: Um, that that's an interesting question. Um, I, I guess uh, the first thing that i that I started doing is just realizing how much I was in ignorance uh, about certain topics. Um, and just realizing that directly puts you in in a good um, position to learn because, uh, I believe our brains are plastic, and 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 once you're aware that there's this area or, or this zone of uh, not knowledge that you want to learn about, as you go through um, as you go through your daily tasks, um, you start making connections, and 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 your knowledge increases, and that's how you you have a, a good learning curve. That that being said, um, I didn't try to improve all of my hard skills at once because that, that wouldn't make sense. Uh, I'm not in this position to be a student and, and to be a, a, a know-it-all or, or something like that. It's just uh, the role of, of the CFO, especially um, during crisis time, is to uh, cut through the noise and, and to focus on high impact things. So um, I started having a roadmap of oh, we need to focus on cash management at the moment. So I'm going to start focusing on cash management. What's the best way we can manage the cash for this organization at this moment? Uh, how do I learn how to do that? Uh, and, and and by going after the things that were needed uh and 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 that were the most important at the moment that's how my knowledge gradually expanded uh and and, and some things i have just left in the back of my mind uh for some they're still there i i know that i need to uh to get involved with those um but i, I think uh the practice is how you how you learn how you increase your your heart hard skills Um, And another thing that that I would recommend um, a lot of you can do is um, I started writing my thoughts on on Chasing Paper specifically because I knew that there was a lot that I didn't know about. And if I share my thoughts about a certain topic, then um, it forces me to think deeply about it and to gather thoughts. Uh, up to a certain point where I had an opinion at least about it. And then this opinion can be challenged by peers, uh, which it has. Uh, For instance, I I wrote a piece on management control and I received um, five, six emails by other CFOs who said, are you really sure? Can you really do that? Or have you tried this tool? Um, And and that's very helpful uh, because it initiates uh, conversations.
1: We have a couple of other interesting questions. I'll start with one from Anne-Marie. Have you already recruited people in your team? Uh, and if yes or no, what's your view on outsourcing uh, versus internalizing certain finance tasks like accounting?
0: Um, so I have uh, really, really great people in my team that I'm thankful for. Uh, we're a team of four. Um uh, legal and, and financial because to us they have to be blended our job is to perform investments so we have to write investment agreements to proofread uh, LLP agreements uh, to, to create ad hoc uh, investment vehicles all the time and so as part of our finance operations are legal operations as well so uh, we're, we're a team of four and and really really helpful to 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 have these people in my team Um, i i guess internalizing versus outsourcing uh is a matter of where where your value add is um to us the core business is to for instance know precisely the valuation of our assets and that's something that we're not willing to outsource because we have to keep keep a tight leash, I would say, on this specific part uh, of the business. Uh, whereas, um, so, so that, that, that's a good example. Uh, sometimes when one of uh, our portfolio companies r- raises a round, uh, we'll set up uh, an SPD, special purpose vehicle, to uh, invest as a minority investor in that round. So as a result, we have, about 80 investment vehicles uh, that we manage. Um, doing the accounting in-house for these vehicles makes absolutely no sense uh, because we we would be uh, in over our heads just doing that uh, all, all the time. So we outsource it because we know that having a reliable provider that understands how it works is adds much more value to our organization than doing it ourselves. So that's where I draw the line. For every task, basically, is it worth investing the the time of the team uh, for this one task, or is it better outsourcing it? And I guess um, that's also the way uh, a CFO should look at every Thing that that happens uh, within the organization you can um, if you have sales say um I don't know if I should hire uh, two people to do this or if we outsource it to this provider and 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 that's how i would at least approach the, the larger issue then of course look at the, the financials in detail.
2: If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders, like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us.
1: Since becoming CFO, what has been the biggest change you have implemented in the team or organization and what has the impact been?
0: Processes. (laughs) Um, uh, So uh, the way uh, this worked before I was a CFO uh, was that um, there was basically a one-man band uh, with someone that, as the head of the legal team, this is not criticizing at all. Uh, who would uh, receive all the paperwork, um, uh, store it in the cloud, um, also take care of how it's valued, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it was very unprocessed because whenever it's in the mind of one of a single person, there is no communication involved, uh, which is both. An asset, but also it's a drawback uh, because when the team starts growing and and when um, and when people move because they do, then uh, it becomes much more complex. And again, I've taken inspiration from from developers and from product people. Uh, uh, for instance, one thing that I really like is that coders, whenever they they write code, they are also uh, spend time explaining what they've done to to uh, team members so they comments on their on their code and and so by taking inspiration from that we, we've started implementing processes where um, people within the team will review uh, documentation will have uh, meetings uh, to uh, Basically weekly meetings, uh, just to to know okay what's been going on, uh, what progress have we made on on this and that front. Um, so processes probably are, are the biggest change that that's been I- implemented. Um, and I can see from where we were um, a, a year uh, ago and and where we are now that it's saving us a lot of time and a lot of headaches. Uh, so. It's,
1: it's a great thing, actually, uh, to, to be involved in those processes. I have another question, which was that you, in one of your articles, also mentioned the concept of the augmented CFO. Do you remember writing that?
0: I do remember writing that, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: could, could you explain uh, that concept to us?
0: Uh, what I call an augmented CFO is is a CFO that kind of like leverages the power of uh, automation that leverages the power of, of software tools to, um, uh, to help his organization, his team and himself uh, be better at, at reigning in finance operations. And I think it has um, many positive outcomes Uh, It has positive outcomes on, obviously, the speed at which uh, operations are taken care of, which is a good thing. Um, It has a positive outcome on the impact, uh, overall impact of the CFO, because that CFO would be able to um, take care more steadily of the one-off events that need uh, his full attention, and that's when he he can become strategic uh, rather than being caught up in in, in processes, uh, and and that also has a, a great impact on mental health. I think it's worth noting uh, in, in times of, of crisis. Uh, very often, as CFOs, uh, or at least the ones I've had a chance to talk to, they can feel lonely uh, within their team. Um, they do not always have the best uh, role, uh, I mean, uh, in, in terms of how, how it's seen internally. And because of that, um, taking advantage of, of tools uh, and and, and uh, and automation to become the augmented CFO allows to uh, rest and and to feel also more empowered in the job, and so that gives time to do a little bit of do a little bit of content, um, talk uh, more with the uh, the other people in the team, uh, and also if you're part of a tech organization, then you feel also tech-empowered, and, and that's a great thing to have uh, in, in the organization. So I think it has
1: many, many positive outcomes. When you say it's not always the, the best role, uh, sort of the way you put it, you do you mean because you can end up feeling like the, the bad cop?
0: Yeah, true. Th- that's, uh, that's what I mean. Um, also, I... Um, I'm a bit over simplistic uh, in, in the way I analyze this, but uh, the years 2010s were not so uh, great for CFOs because uh, the startup world took off uh, really fast. And um, there were motos that went around uh, coming from Silicon Valley, but also uh, in other ecosystems um grow fast revenue uh doesn't matter uh let's delay profitability and, and focus on growth um and so all of the financial metrics were kind of overlooked and so the role of cfos naturally was overlooked as well uh, and i think this is in part led to um terrible things like uh the we story or 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 uh uh, uh, other that, that the others that you've seen in the press, and I think the 2020s uh, we will see uh, a spotlight uh, shed on CFOs and on their role, and, and and on the fact that they are actually here to help the company grow mm. to profitability and to grow into uh, a, a, a massive uh, organization, uh, which is which is the end goal for for a startup and and so I, I think the crisis uh to to that respect has been helpful for me. <laughs> um but it it showed that uh cfo's were the the uh, second person in the company that was here along with the ceo to uh, take the decisions that will that will uh, help the company uh, move forward uh, and and to reach uh, a position where it it can become sustainable, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's a, that's a great thing. So that that's what I
1: meant. We we had an article on CFO Connect from Leslie Boudreau, I think was her last name, um, all about she she's in recruiting for CFOs and all about the focus that companies had exactly as you said during the 2010s maybe slightly before, where suddenly it was not so much about financial uh, background, financial knowledge, um, risk management. It was much more about bringing in CFOs to basically grow at all costs. And she said one of the things, exactly as you've just said as well, one of the things that the crisis kind of helped to maybe rectify slightly, depending on your point of view, uh, was a, a more a bit more focus on the basics, again, and actually bringing in CFOs with experience in doing things in a sound and sustainable and profitable way, and not only worrying about growth at all costs.
0: That, that, that's true. I, I think um, one of the conclusions in, in the articles in, in Chasing Pepper is that uh, the 2020s will not um, put everything in question, obviously growth is important, especially for startups and, and, and reaching sustainable growth is an important goal uh, and strategic for, for, for startup companies. But I guess uh, the the way VCs think and the way private equity companies think, so thinking about cash conversion, EBITDA, uh, uh, cash cycles, much earlier w- w- will all come together. And actually, I, I think we're seeing a lot of big P companies investing in, in, in late-stage, um, fast-growing uh, startups these days. Um, and and this is mater- materialization of that kind of uh, that, um, It's true that we can have companies that are growing fast, but that are also um, sustainable and stable in terms of of, uh, finance. And having CFOs is is, uh, really the way to to, uh, go about that or uh, having CFOs join to to take care of this.
1: Mm. And speaking of bringing on CFOs it's it's one of our absolute favorite questions this time from Sebastian when from your work as as a kind of VC or as an incubator when is the right time do you think to hire a full-time CFO or what are, i guess maybe what are the indicators um
0: the, the one condition is to have money in the bank because uh, it's very difficult to, to manage finances that do not exist um I'm kidding, uh, um, but really, after after um, an important financing round, so either A or B round, mm. is definitely when you uh, at least need to have um, one person in the in the organization focused on that. Um, then I've seen many things happen. Uh, what what happens very often, at least with the companies that we work with, is that from the seed round there will be a, a financial manager that takes care of everything from uh, accounting, spending, reconciliation, bank transactions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because it's just some weight off the shoulders of the usually the CEO. Uh, and then later on, uh, as as the the um, strategic importance of having a, C, a CFO grows. Uh, for instance, um, um, we have data about the business and, and, and how it's moving forwards, uh, but we need to translate that into uh, reporting material for our investors. Plus, we need to take strategic decisions based on the on the, on the sales uh, forecasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's when it becomes important, and usually the tipping point is around Series A or Series B. Um, and then uh, w- what we also see is that uh, it, it's 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 changing role. Sometimes a person that could be a good fit at Series A um, will have to move forward at Series C because uh, then you'll have different kinds of conversations with different kinds of investors and different kinds of, of uh, issues that will require the, the, the CFO to to change. I, I pretty much like the job of the CEO, it's difficult to grow into the role, uh, uh, especially if it's the first time. So I'm well aware of that. Uh, I, I try and, and keep learning, but I would understand that at some point uh, it's, it's time to Perhaps pass the baton over to someone who's uh, who's more experienced, and it's not it's not a problem per se because uh, then you can you know either do it again with another venture or keep learning with the same person. And then when you'll be exposed to the same kind of uh, of issues, then uh, it will be much easier to 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 take care of.
1: Mm. Well, and and on that idea of gro- you know personal growth, Pierre Louis is asking what your top three technical skills are that you think are required to be a CFO, uh, not necessarily a finance-oriented skills, I guess is uh, what he's saying.
0: Um, that's a good question. I, I would say um, to be very thorough uh, is, is important. Um, not because everything has to so you have to know how to take decisions. Um, and being thorough is, is not incompatible with that, but you have to know when to apply which uh, of the two. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a fan of the Pareto law. Uh, it basically says uh, 20% of the effort to apply will yield 80% of the results. I think it's it's a good thing for CFOs to be able to make radical decisions and say we'll focus on this, this, and that. This will yield results, and the, and the rest will will see later. But once you're going into one path or one or you've made one decision, and then you need to apply and execute. Being thorough is is paramount uh, because leaving something aside or or f- forgetting something can prove dreadful down down the line uh and and the best way to avoid that in the first place is to um get this uh, in this habit of being thorough uh, but that just relates back to the question we had about how do you keep track and make sure that everything's take taken care of on, on time it's, it's a matter of getting this habit but uh, it's also i think a personal trait uh uh that that's important um so being thorough being radical and knowing how to take decisions and then being analytical i think is uh, is the third i would say uh, not only in terms of of, of uh, how good you are at financial uh, analysis but uh, in terms of uh, how how uh glad you are to think about business decisions and and business models and business in general Uh, because um, you you have to be willing to get up in the morning and say uh, how how come that these uh, customers aren't paying as much as these ones and we have the data but i still cannot figure it out And, and then go and talk to the team uh, customer support, or or talk to marketing, or talk to to people involved directly with the uh, with the customers to understand these kind of things, um, and and just willing to be asking a lot of questions and then pull out the data to uh, to run the analysis uh, is is I think uh, uh, another important skills. So I I'd give those three. There are many others but to me they're they're the most important
1: i actually think on that last point as well that's one of the real big value adds of a cfo or of a finance team in general to the rest of the company obviously i'm in marketing and having someone coming from outside the team and just asking pretty simple questions like you're spending two days on this project what is the expected outcome or we did this thing and it worked really well why aren't we doing it again those kind of um relatively what is probably relatively simple from a from your perspective that kind of analysis and bringing it to the other teams is so valuable even it's not always easy to hear i'll admit as the as the marketing person because i think every project i'm doing is worth doing but uh sometimes you know hearing it from the outside is really valuable
0: that, that's that's true but uh, i think if you have a sensible approach to it then it, it makes sense mm. uh, and 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 then the second thing is that Another really important thing that's that's increasingly important for CFOs is uh, to be able to pull out all this data uh, really fast, uh, and and uh, uh, being becoming the augmented CFO that I was talking about really helps uh, with, with that respect because um, whenever I, I have a question about okay what what was going on last month. And I know that I have my own dashboard where I can go into and that it's, it's categorized the way I want it for me to understand things about the business. And whenever it's, it's not relevant anymore, then I, it's flexible enough that I can switch and, 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 and change perspectives and points of view. And, and that's why I think uh, knowing a little bit of code uh, or knowing how to use product and tools, to your own advantage is, is important because then you can ask the right questions and then you can go to the relevant people in the team and say exactly what you just mentioned uh, that, that are really relevant things uh, uh, for the
1: organization. Mm. Okay, we have time, I think, for one more question. And that's great because it's it's a complete change of topic, I think, but uh, it's a fascinating question. Um, so hopefully you'll have some great insight here. It's from Mehdi. Looking at financial markets currently and how indexes like the S&P 500 keep soaring, do you believe there's still such a thing as a link between price and intrinsic value? Or are we now in a world where price is just defined by how much you're ready to pay? What does it look like in the private startup market in France?
0: Um, Really, really interesting question. Uh, Mm. So about the public market, things uh, my colleague Balthazar de Lavergne has published a piece very recently uh, about uh, growth stocks I don't remember exactly the, the title of the piece but uh, uh, I'll share the link afterwards um, and make sure that it' that it's sent to you and and basically his, his thesis was uh, kind of interesting is that we can have these days uh, stocks that are public and that have IPO at a very um, high price, uh, so it's not correlated to the to the actual financial metrics of the company, and we agree on that. that the price earning ratio is, is through the roof. But what's interesting is that those are companies with high speed growth uh, and that can realize their their financial metric potential uh, actually in the next five to ten years. So the question is, Uh, If you're looking at Spotify or if you're looking at Zoom, sorry, Shopify, if you're looking at Zoom, uh, these kinds of companies, of course, uh, they have high prices, but the the underlying question is, uh, do they have a sustainable growth system that will help them grow into their valuation? And for some, I think it's the case uh, for instance, uh, Stripe um, is the biggest valuation on, on private markets at the moment. I, it will IPO probably uh, with a crazy price tag, but I'm sure that uh, it's a company that will 5 or 10x over the next 15, 20 years because of, of, of the growth potential it still has. Um, so that's, that's the way I, I look at it now in the in the private startup markets and in terms of valuations I think investors are really driven by by their fear of missing out uh, and that's uh, in, in the best deals it creates uh, diffractions in in, in in the valuation so obviously the valuations are really high but the reason is because everyone wants to get into the same deal uh, and so that's what drives uh, the, the prices So in this case, it's it's defined by willingness to pay. But again, same question is, are you trying to get into a company that has high growth value and that will realize its potential over time? Or are you just trying to get into a company that will uh, fall back like a souffle uh, at, at some point? And it's not really possible to, to know that for sure. But that's what's exciting about the uh, about our our business, at least uh, what I find exciting exciting about it is that you can bend uh, the future of the company by working with the with the entrepreneurs and and help them fall into the category of high growth.
1: And is that um, sort of analysis that you just did? Is that the same in France as it is in Silicon Valley? Obviously, it's a matter of scale. Essentially, the same thing going on, though.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's essentially the same thing. Um, for a long time, it wasn't the case, um, just because there wasn't enough uh, capital available to startups in France, like there was in Silicon Valley. Um, I, I think what what's great about Silicon Valley is that it's it's a high velocity ecosystem. So everything happens fast. Meetings are fast investments decisions are taken fast uh, introductions are made faster uh, clients want to sign up to your beta um so it just happens re- really really fast and we have to take more time uh, over here in, in europe but we're we're getting to the same kind of uh paradigm um perhaps one thing that we're lacking is is the kind of like middle ground uh uh, capital availability so it's it's really difficult to raise from European investors tickets ranging from 50 to um, a couple of hundred millions of euros just because there aren't that many actors in Europe who are able to sign this those kind of checks uh, but uh, investors from everywhere are, are really willing to to fund our European companies so we're here glad about that and so it just creates the same kind of urgency and, and, and the same kind of dynamic uh, pretty much everywhere. And that's, that's one reason why us as the family went from being a European-centered, uh, Europe-centered organization to a global uh, one now. So we're we ready to serve entrepreneurs from all around the globe because uh, the same dynamic will, will apply at least to the ones who are willing to, to build high-growth companies.
1: Fantastic. Those are all the questions, and we've just hit exactly an hour, which is what I promised you—exactly an hour since I hit start, four minutes late. So again, apologies <laughs> for that. I want to thank one more time Eunice for his time. I was really, really interested in, in all of it. Thank you. I hope it was a great uh, sort of experience and a great, um, yeah, good entertainment for everybody who who joined us today. Of course, there will be more. So please keep an eye out for the next CFO Connect uh, event. Keep an eye out for the podcast. Fingers crossed everything goes well there. And otherwise, uh, we'll see you all next time.
0: All right. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everyone.
1: It was great. Thanks very much, Eunice. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.